I'm excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody. And she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So, you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's AmazingFreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. AmazingFreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. And I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is, and it's or destroy, and it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically the listing goes live, and I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough. Solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. Save 50 bucks. Use my code you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her.
Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up and it's similar to this product, and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope, and you can see all that stuff. And that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is, to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to you wanna take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's, it's fair uh, to see. And so, therefore, you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what Scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day, I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt. But it's because I had an idea and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to trygodaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. By that, you know, it's not that much money, but when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter and it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains, and especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector, and so I do tend to do that, but that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking and it'll say, nope, nope, try this version or try this extension. And then boom, there it is. Hey, you better hurry before it goes away. And they're right, you know, and so try GoDaddy.com forward slash momentum, save 30%. Also, I want to mention about Grasshopper. Who was I just talking to somebody the other day? And they were like, oh, yeah, I use this company called Grasshopper. I'm like, dude, did you buy it through my link and save 30%? Hello? No, they missed that. So save 30%. It's trygrasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts. Pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone, and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 318. Ken real. All right. I'm pumped. Yes, I get pumped. I say that a lot, but it's so inspiring. Am I just talking to one of the best dads in the world, a dad who understand his responsibilities that he's got to be more than just the breadwinner. That was the role that we were all told that we had to be, but no, no, you want to you want to be involved in your kid's life. And man, I'm telling you, he gave me the tingles a bunch of times in this conversation. 
the things that these kids are learning and even more important that he learned which is very cool and very hard to admit as a guy um, based on his experience with selling merch by Amazon as a family. They're competitive, they have their own accounts, and yet they're having success. And some of the dinner conversations all about merch by Amazon, but guess what? They're having a dinner conversation. Did you hear that? Their kid, his kids are talking to him and his wife. Tell me these aren't great parents are actually having conversations with their kids. Um, one of the other things, we didn't mention it in here, and I do want to add in it. He's part of uh, Chris Green's Merch Dojo. So if you're in there taking his class or if you're interested in it, I'll have a link to it. Um, join it because Ken is one of those coaches helping people uh, through that. So I don't want to miss that um, because it's important. And, you know, again, uh, you have to buy time sometimes, and you have to take training. And anything Chris Green does, I'm always 100% supportive of because he's just, just a phenomenal individual who gives a lot. So this is a very interesting episode because if you've been thinking about about finding a way to get your kids involved in your business, this might be a way. This might, or at least it might be an approach to getting your kids involved. And I think Ken and his wife have done a phenomenal job. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because I think today's guest is an example of what you can do, um, what you can reinvent yourself, but in the meantime, really take an approach. Uh, to family life. I mean, to me, the all-encompassing family, I always say this about our business, our business and our personal lives mingle so much on a positive way, uh, but this family's doing it even more. Ken Real, Welcome, Ken. Good to be here. Is that a fair statement? It's completely intermingled in your whole life. Everything, everything with our family now uh, is it's intermingled with. And it's a family, uh, is it five? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so it's a family of five. And did I re- watch this TV show where basically all five of you are have your own business? Yeah, all, all five of us are, are involved in the Merch by Amazon world. It's incredible to me to think that your kids, which are how old? Uh, right now I've got a 14-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 19-year-old. Okay, so all three of those, what would, what, well, without the Amazon business, let me ask this question. What would you and your wife have suggested to your kids what they need to do with their life? What was the normal track that you were going to put them on? Uh, well, it is part of the track they're on now even is uh, get an education and get a part-time job and learn how to do your chores around the house and, and hopefully get on to college and establish yourself with a job. Okay, so go to college. Is that an absolute in your mind? Was it? Uh, no, not so much because I, I actually never did finish my college degree. I've got uh, part of the way through and then I got involved in in a job and got involved with real life. But uh, I, I'm of the, the sense that whether you go to college and get a, a degree and get into the workforce or a trade or even an entrepreneur are all ways that people can and do well. Yeah, you said something earlier, you didn't finish, but you got an education. Um, so, I, I mean, that's where I always get to, is that there's, I, I use this example that about half of your education um, is generally not related to what you're learning, you know, what you're going to school for. Um, I'm an accountant, my, you know, about half of my classes weren't related to accounting. And so, uh, what about those other half? You know, what could you have done with that time? If it was real work experience, um, would that have served me better? I don't know. But it's such a different world, and it's so interesting, especially with kids. Now, you've got kids in the – you've got them in, the, in line now. I mean, you're not planning 20 years out. You're looking in the next two to three years uh, for – so that's a much different decision today. Could, could you, can you imagine what it's like to, to plan for your two-year-old today? 
Oh, no. No, I wouldn't even want to go back there. Yeah, I just don't know what you would do. I mean, how do you say, well, you know, uh, Julie, you know, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I, I don't know what are those jobs going to look like in 20 years, right? I mean, I, I don't even know. Well, and things change so fast today. Uh, within a year or two, things can completely turn around. Uh, so you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to, to pivot. I think that's a good point. You are not a designer by nature. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I've always been a bit of a geek and always been kind of, you know, tied into computers and things like that. But my background actually was in science and going into the hazardous waste management and the oil field of Alberta. And so when you think about what you did then, is any of it relevant to what you do today? I mean, did, did that allow you, I mean, was it math? Was it, you know, uh, I don't even know. I mean, was it, did you see spectacular land and, and saw the beauty of the world and therefore you have an appreciation for it and then that translates to art or something like that? No, not really. Hmm. Uh, more. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, kind of, I'm trying to get, I want to see a connection between that and what you do now and I'm struggling to find one there. That was a stretch. The, there really is no connection. Uh, I managed in the gas and oil, oil sector and, uh, you know, it was a good job. It taught me a lot of things. As I said, I didn't finish my school. I was taking school as I had gotten involved in the business, but I got into management and, you know, a lot of the training was in the job. And within three or four years, I was interviewing people with masters and doctorate degrees. And, and here I am with basically, uh, uh, on-site training and, you know, it, there came a point where I had to make a decision what I wanted to do with my life, whether it was, uh, you know, continue on managing or maybe start my own consulting business, which I'd thought about. And before long, a friend of mine asked me, would you like to move to Vegas or Fort Worth or maybe Winnipeg, Canada? And I said, what for? He says, well, I got into this sign business and we're interested in uh, people that can manage for us. And the rest, I guess you could say, is history from 2004 on. So he recognized your management talent and saw that that might be applicable to a signed business. Did you have to have, uh, did he say, well, you know, Ken, can I see your art degree? Can I see your graphic design degree? Uh, where are your skills in that field? Or did he say that stuff can be taught and we really need somebody who knows how to run a lead, I guess it would be a better phrase, a business? Correct. Uh, he he knew he. Uh, there was never even a question whether or not you know. Do, can you draw? Can, can are you a graphic designer? Can you you know? Can you use digital programs? It was, that was all expected that they would teach. Hmm. Uh, the the main ability you needed was be able to build a business and and for a sign business get out on the street and hustle and build a network and cold calling people and. You know, building upon the service factor and things like that. So, I mean, would you consider it, it yourself the, a salesman? Uh, very much so. Oh, okay. uh, I, I very much enjoy the one-on-one -on -one interaction with customers. So uh, that's a skill set that came from somewhere. Where did that come from? That came from the oil and gas sector. Ah, we found the connection. Uh, oh, my gosh. There, there, you go. <laughs> there it is. I knew there had to be something there. So, yeah, that's fair. I mean, so if he recognized, because you met those people, you just know they could they could sell, you know, Ice to an Eskimo, as that phrase goes, right? I mean, you could see that. So you're one of those guys. Hmm. Of course. So do you think that, you know, looking back, could you have gone into any sales job? Did you have that ability? Uh, I could have, but I wouldn't have wanted to. Hmm. 
Well, what uh, made this one attractive to you, Vegas? I mean, it was what no, made it... it being my own boss, really? being able to control, own, control my own destiny, that kind of a thing. So. Did you come from a family of entrepreneurs or anything in there that would lead you to believe that working for someone is not as nice as working for yourself? Or where'd that belief come from? Uh, actually not. Uh, there's no real, you know, breakout entrepreneurs in my family. I come from a family where both my mother and father were high school teachers. Oh, how interesting. So, so when you look back now, did you know that you were meant to be an entrepreneur? I mean, when you think about it. Um, I look back at it, and I think it was the right thing for me. Huh. Uh, and and sometimes you find things in life that come across your plate that just uh, they 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 fit right. The the puzzles of the picture come together, and uh, you kind of found what you were supposed to be doing. And when you think about the alternative, I mean, I don't know how the oil and gas industry is. I know it's up and down a lot, um, at least in, uh, in uh, the United States. How, how was, what would your career look like had you stayed with it, do you think? Uh, I, I would have done fairly well with it. I would have seen myself uh, more going into, you know, business for myself still. Okay. Probably doing environmental consulting with a lot of the bigger corporations and yeah, and that's and where that, like that. that sales background would have, uh, or sales skills would have come in. Okay, that's interesting. It's just neat to see. I always like to see how people get from one place to another. And uh, so he recognized not only your management, your sales ability. So you go into sales in Vegas, and this is a brand new location, not open, not an established one taking over. Is that correct? Actually, it was a, a newly established one. It had been there just about a year, and the current owner was completely struggling. Oh, and what were they struggling with? I mean, were they not a salesperson? Were they just a, a buyer thinking that, hey, all I have to do is buy a business and it runs itself? Or what? When you look yeah. at that, they were. They had the employee mentality. Uh, they wanted to be somebody that could be told what to do and you know cruise with a job, but the ability to go out and meet people face to face and build a business and build the relationships was probably the weak point. Now, were you a one person shop or did you end up having a staff? Uh, it was myself. Uh, that was really? kind of the beauty of the business was, uh, uh, you know, I could run it from home and that's what enticed me and I could be closer to my family and I could learn these things and build relatively good business that, that has did you Some have value. these machines in your home, or was it outsourced, where you would just, you know, uh, you were the salesperson, maybe graphic designer, and then the rest comes from someplace else? No, we actually had the uh, the equipment for the business. It was a rental business, uh, street signs that uh, would be rented out to businesses, and you had everything. Uh, it was all an all-in package. Wait, now what does that mean? So I don't understand what that means. Is that like where they put up a barrier and it says, you know, street fair or something like that? I don't understand what that means. Uh, no, in Canada, where the business originated, uh, there's quite a prolific uh, a street sign business, uh, temporary rentals. And uh, they're meant, like, say you pass by a pizza shop, mm -hmm. you see the, the, you know, the advertise the temporary sign that they've rented out front to say, hey, special this weekend is and trying to drive that traffic in off the off the street so uh it's a rental sign business that they were trying to break into the u.s with and mm. and some intricacies that are a little different down here but it was uh it was an interesting uh a take that allowed you to understand what graphic design was what layout was 
how conventional signs work and, and to have all that as a kind of a turnkey. How long did it take you to get that general skill set to be able to start cranking out signs? Uh, I had it going pretty good because within about a year and a half, I'd split the franchise in half. Ah, because it was doing so well and it made sense to, to pair yep. it off. Okay. And yep. so uh, the skill set that you brought there, other than sales, do you think it was the computer ability? Because you had said you dabbled in computers and you just always been a techie guy. Yeah, it definitely helped. Uh, it made the transition very easy. I had also played around with some website creation and, you know, I'd always played around with Photoshop and it was something that interests me. It wasn't so much that I could draw a stick man, but it was something that had my interest. And one thing you'll learn about me, if I'm interested in it, I can get very passionate about it. Hmm. Again, it just had, um, Helen Kinson on said the same thing, you know, she wants to stay interested. If she does, then she does well with it. Otherwise, you kind of drift away from it. Another merch person. <laughs> so uh, if you haven't figured out, Ken is a merch person. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But I want to get to how you leave, not leave, because I think you still have the sign business. Is that correct? I do. Okay. I do. But so I, how, do you, yeah, how do you let that go and get into Amazon merch? Is there an in-between in there? Uh, I'm actually, there's not a lot of in between. I'm actually taking a, a hard look on, at, at selling it off. But, uh, part of the sign business, it, you're very involved. It's not something that you can just sit back and let the business come. You have to be, uh, involved with your customers and on the street and, and selling. And, and so, you know, if you don't do that, I'd better just look at selling off the business. Is that, did you lose interest in it or did you find something else? Uh, in some ways, I've lost interest in it because uh, I enjoy what I'm doing more, and I've kind mm. of found my groove. Plus, the fact that I live in Las Vegas, and if you can imagine how hot the summers are, oh, it's brutal. Uh, this is a lot of this is outside work. Uh, this is uh, out in the 110 degree heat. Uh, but it's a dry signs. heat, Ken. It's a dry yeah. heat. Yeah, right. As the the flesh is burned off. Yeah, the yeah. Right? But it was dry at least. Yeah, we we. Uh, there's a ASD we always try to go to, and they're always trying to get me to go in August. I went once, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? I can't even go out in the sun, and then all of a sudden my white skin is, like, burnt to a crisp, and I'm like, what was that? It's an oven. Yes. So, that wasn't humidity. No, there was no humidity. I'm not liking humidity, but I must admit I have a different appreciation for it after visiting Vegas in August. I agree with you. I, I don't think we think about it, you know, all those trades and everything else that makes that city hum – has to operate in that wicked weather. Hmm. Yeah. So, so when did you find out about merch, and, and uh, when did you say, hmm, this would be something I could add on to what I'm doing? Well, actually, I, I found out about merch right at the very beginning in September of 15, but how I got interested in it probably backs up a little further because tied into the sign business, it became a natural that uh, customers, you found that, hey, I need uh, other kinds of advertising. I need business cards. I need T-shirts. I need apparel. Uh, I even broke out into decorative window tint. And uh, oh, cool. what happened? What happened was it just naturally progressed. And as I was online learning about these things, I started to realize that there's print on demand, and there's ways that I can integrate, you know, printing within the apparel business very easily into my business and in some ways it became a bit of a hobby um, seeing what I could earn online. And this was separate from the franchise at that point, right? You were adding Correct. these on yourself. They didn't offer these services so you 
get coffee mugs and stuff. Now, were you doing the work or were you using one of those outside companies? Uh, I did a lot of the work or have my own suppliers uh, around the Las Vegas area, mainly for things like T-shirts and sweatshirts and apparel. Okay. I mean, you didn't buy the screen printing equipment and all that kind of jazz, did no. you? Okay, no. So. I, I've, I got my own accounts for wholesale. And, I think that's pretty so. smart. I think a lot of people probably have that equipment sitting in their place, right? They thought, oh, Ken, I'm going to make it big. I'm going to make shirts. And yet the value is in selling shirts, not making shirts, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you found other, you were using one of these, you know, print on demand companies without even really knowing that there was such a thing. Now all of a sudden it's the word, right? The, the POD is the big word uh, phrase. You didn't realize it, um, that you were a trendsetter, Ken. Have you ever been told that in your life? Uh, sometimes. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I don't get it's, that at my age. I don't get it. <laughs> and not so much that I set the trend, but uh, I, I do latch on to things and see things that are trends and, and do enjoy going for the ride with them. Well, that's clearly a skill set when you're talking merch and design, recognizing trends and then running them for as quick as you can. As, because, again, it's going to be fastest to market, right? Um, I think most people are not that. They do not recognize trends. So what, when you think about recognizing trends, what are you looking for? Um, I mean, can you give me an example of something that you were like, huh, this is a trend, and then boom, that you were able to capitalize on that probably a whole bunch of people didn't? Well, even going back to the early days of, of what I call print-on-demand, this, this concept of being able to post something online and have somebody else print it and ship it and handle everything and pay you a royalty – I can remember being on some of the t-shirt forums, uh, you know, just generally learning about apparel and came across a post by uh, the now creator of Teespring throwing out this idea of crowdsourcing these shirts, you know, and, and kind of, you know, post it, how, how the Teespring and the print-on-demand model works. And I thought, that's kind of cool. And before long, I realized they actually pulled this off, and that's kind of where I started was uh, posting things on Teespring and so and you were, about you were definitely an early adopter. You know, it's interesting you say that because I think um, most people, again, wouldn't follow that way, wouldn't be doing the work because you said you were out there in the uh, these groups, these message boards or whatever it was where this conversation was going on. That's research. I mean, that to me, and this is my theory on education today, that is education, doing that work. Most people want to jump ahead and say, Ken, you know, let me just buy the designs. Let me just, you know, upload it for me. Let me do all that shortcuts so I don't have to do all those things. Because, you know, I'm smarter and I could just jump ahead. You're talking about actually learning and doing the work there. That's that's hard work, and that takes discipline. It, it does, and I still say even right now 80% of my time is research. Regardless of what you're doing, uh, I'm researching what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Uh, I don't... One thing you'll learn about me is I don't like to take a lot of shortcuts in that in that mm. cause. Like you talked about, hey, I can do a turnkey thing. I can hire VAs. I can hire designs. I can have somebody upload them, and everything will run itself. And and sometimes that works, but a lot of times the research hasn't put in, and people fall on their face. Yeah, and they do because everybody, it's it's a million dollar business, right? That's what that's what's uh, being that's what's said. Of course, is it a million dollar business to you? Uh, my merch by Amazon, you mean? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess, let me pull back and say this. 
is the potential to get to a million dollar business when you think of print on demand? Because I want to make it broad because I think you have to to get to that concept. I don't think you can do it without that concept, but that's my opinion. But I think when you consider that you can be on what? Is there 17 different other print on demand sites that I know of? I know there's more, but you know, and then like you said, you can expand into, I mean, still people are selling coffee mugs or phone cases or, you know, guitar covers and stuff like that, right? Tire covers on the back of cars. That's all being printed by somebody on demand. When you think about it from that entirety, it is possible, isn't it? Oh, it's completely possible. And I, I mean, the, the neat thing about print on demand is, is the viralness or the, the trend setting of some of these designs. And you, you can see millionaires made off of one T-shirt design. No kidding. Uh, I mean, one shirt takes off and you've got an original concept on a shirt. I mean, it can become very iconic. Uh and, and sell just tens and hundreds of thousands of copies very do, quickly. Do you have an example, one that you've seen or, or a company that's been able to do it? Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to say an exact example, but, I mean, I've even had breakout shirts of my own. I, I haven't had the million-dollar seller or, or anything like that, but, you know, take a look at the solar eclipse. Yeah, uh, Kim it, Jensen it, it, is what you're thinking of, right? I, I mean, I chased Kim Jensen the entire time with one of my shirts. Uh, my shirt was right up next to hers. I could never quite catch her. I mean, I had a shirt that sold forty or fifty thousand dollars worth of sales. No kidding. You know, so is that is that blow your mind when you pull back and think about it? Oh, it's absolutely uh, it absolutely blows your mind. Uh, one day you're selling, you know, a, a regular trend of shirts, and all of a sudden the next day you've doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and you're saying, where the heck are these people coming from? Well, let's go back to that. When you think about what you did, you were chasing Kim, but you still had incredible success. What was it that made that stood out? And, and you're going to be like, duh, Steve, if I knew that, I'd have $40,000 shirts on every one, right? But, I mean, there still has to be a pattern, you know, a common sense approach to pattern. So you were one of the first to market, right? I mean, I'm, I would assume that's one yeah. of the things, right? So you recognize a trend, again, a skill set that you have, right? That's what you said. Yep. So you recognize a trend, you're one of first to market, first mover's advantage, right? What else would you say that would be a skill or a or something that helped you get there when you think about it? Uh, bringing something different to the table. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And what's different mean to you? I mean, because a lot of the shirts I see are just plain and they have words on them, um, or not much original art. Although they're artists, they're talent. I, I, I'm not talent, but um, what what would be different for you? I think the difference is in the research that you do. Yeah, I, you're back to that. I mean, hmm. yeah, I, I keep coming back to the research side of it. Is understanding who your audience is 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 key. Uh, understanding, you know, some simple things like colors and trends and sayings, and you know, are you tied in with who you're trying to sell to? Because if you are, then it becomes very easy on the design process to put something in front of them that has a chance of selling. John Lee Dumas says you always, in, in the podcast world, you always have to talk to your avatar. You know, who is that person that you're speaking to? And then that's who you talk to, and you don't worry about everything else. And then magically, boom, you have success, right? It's like a formula. So you're saying the same thing. So when you're doing that solar eclipse shirt, you're thinking of somebody or whoever that is, and you're designing it for them and them alone. And then they happen to be a whole bunch of them. Is that kind of... Correct. Uh, you realize that that one person you're designing for is a whole bunch of people because you've already identified who those people are. 
in what you're trying to bring to them. So it may, as I said, it makes the design process much easier to, to accomplish and, and the success much easier. Let me dig a deeper on that one because that's interesting. Who would, who would have you thought it was? Because obviously you got it right. Who did you think was going to be the Eclipse person? Uh, that I would kind of keep to myself. Okay, that's your secret sauce. Okay, but that's fair. No, I, I appreciate that. The fact that you know it and you're aware of it is very cool. To me, that's very, very cool. Because again, you're back to that research. I have a secret way of research, Steve, and I'm not telling you. I get it. But that but discipline... It's not- it's not even so much a secret uh, way to research. It's just simply a, uh, a market that you understand um, has a fascination. And you've identified a, a niche or a trend, a, a market within that group. And, and even to this day, it's a, a very lucrative market as well. So. Hmm. Would you, uh, let me see if, uh, let's see if you'll give away this secret. When you think about points of interest, right? So when you, you just said that unique group, would you yeah. say there are five or six or seven unique points about them that helps you isolate them down into that that pile of people? Do you get what I'm saying? I'm not sure I'm saying oh, yeah. it right. Okay. Oh, yeah. How, ma- yeah, how many yeah. points uh, would you say? Because I think that's a fair thing, right? You just don't say, okay, they're male. Boom, that's point one. They're 20 to 30. That's point two. And you just keep going, oh, they happen to have blonde hair, and they like combs instead of, or they grow beards. And they like oils, and they like blah 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 blah, right? And so, how far do you parse that down? Is it is it a ten point, a six point? Uh, you know, there's there's usually four or five main points, but okay. uh, when when you really dig into, I guess as you would call a niche or an area that you're going after, it's as I get back to it, it's understanding that niche and and being able to design to it because you you were talking about uh, putting yourself in the place of you know your avatar i like to look at it as putting myself as if i'm a buyer like sometimes uh, when they talk about copywriting um you want to put yourself in the place of the buyer like you're you know exactly who that person is and and that really is key and fundamental i think to having success in this it's like a conversation Um, right you're having a full conversation that they're interested in it is and and you've got to think from their perspective would this person am i one of these people in this trend that um, would want to wear this apparel and if you can answer yes to that question then you start designing and it's part of the reason that a lot of the areas that i'm in it's not just thrown against the wall, but it, it's things that I actually have a personal interest in. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. So because you have an interest, therefore becomes sort of passionate, you're able to translate that because you speak the same. You're a geek, Ken. You're a geek <laughs> language guy. That's it. I got you identified now. But it's interesting you say that. I was sitting there actually thinking, I'm like, you're Don Draper. You're Don Draper with the design side. You're really, you know, because how does an image speak to a person? How does an image have a conversation with somebody, but you figure that out? Hmm, you are Don Draper. Well, I've thought very early that if if the design I put in front of somebody, if their first reaction was, hmm, they don't really understand us, you've, you've missed the boat somewhere on that, right? You've missed the ability to, to do that research, as I keep coming back to. Yeah. You have to be able to connect with them in not a seller type of a feeling, but as a buyer. 
I think know, would you buy that? One of the big challenges in this business, and this is where I think this is a fair statement, this is Steve speaking, is that we only tend to show the upside. We only say, hey, Ken, merch is the place to go. It's unbelievable. You can do millions. And yes, there are outliers doing millions. We, are, we already discussed that, right? You can outlie and get a $40,000 on a shirt. But my bet is you don't have every shirt doing 40000 right? Okay. And so there's downsides. Lots, right? Of how many there is. How many swings do you take where you actually have a hit? Uh, that depends. I mean, I've got a very high percentage of shirts that have sold, but, but that comes down to the game of uh, print-on-demand and uh, different areas such as evergreen shirts, stuff that will be up all year, that will sell all year. They're not going to sell crazy numbers, but they're going to consistently sell over the course of time. Holidays, I mean, we've got all kinds of holidays that come in. Trends. You know, what's the next politician that says a stupid remark, right? Uh, and everybody's got to have somebody it. Somebody just said it. Yep, they just said it. <laughs> yep, there goes another one. Wait, there goes another one. Well, it's interesting, though, but those are where the lessons are, aren't they? And when you were talking about narrowing down that audience and figuring them out and speaking to them, how many times have you not spoken to them? And therefore, is it you getting the message saying, huh, I thought this would connect. It didn't. Let me try another message, or do you? Or does it come down to the research because you could see the ones that sold, and you're like, oh, that's how they connected with that group. Well, and see that that's an interesting one with this because as you're doing your research, part of it is understanding what is selling um, within those trends, within those niches. But part of it, as I back up, is getting to know that niche like you're the buyer, and that's why my interest plays a bit of a part yeah, in it. Okay. There, there's not a lot of areas I'm in that I, I say, oh, that was a complete strikeout because I already know that there's some interest. I've already got some connections with that niche. And so, you know, maybe the design is wrong. Maybe it doesn't connect with that niche. But I know that I've got a design or two that's going to connect with them eventually. Okay. So you figured out, hey, this is a group that's going to, they're going to be solar eclipse buyers, period, right? Everybody's going to want to say they were on the gravy train or on the bandwagon. I participated, right? That's a pretty pretty interesting thought right i i was there right of course then you're gonna say okay my designs didn't work but look at this person's they are what's different in there they're connecting somehow there's a different conversation let me adjust is it is it kind of like uh, when you ever hear you hear them talk about changing the direction of a, one of those giant uh shipping containers uh ships right that they have to change in small degrees because it takes so much to turn that big thing around. Is that kind of the way it is in shirt design to, to, get, that, to, to get good at it? You've got to keep making these really small adjustments often to zero in, and then boom, you know your target. I'm a little bit of a different difference hmm. uh, of opinion in that. I'm more of a pivoter. Okay. I like to hit the pivot and completely go off in another direction. It's not working. You move. Uh, yeah, I move. And it may be in the same field of interest, but I look to try and bring something. And the word would probably be contrast. Oh. I want something that completely contrasts what the norm is out there. Uh, because if you understand who the buyer is, uh, you can start to piece together what that contrast is that might might stand out for the buyer. Plus, you don't want to be where everybody else is, right? You want I, to... I don't. Yeah, no, right. I, you want to stand I out. I don't want to be uh, part of the, the flock of sheep. I want to be the black sheep out there and, and stand out. And not in a bad way, but in a way that you're recognized as, oh, that's that's kind of a neat take on this. That's a, a neat addition to, to what my interest is. Do you think, because um, you're not 
this 21-year-old, um, your, your 19-year-old probably is, you have, you know, when you look at their approach to the t-shirt design and stuff versus yours, is it different? I would assume it is. Completely different. Uh, you know, they can, they can spot trends a little quicker. They, they're in with the lingo. They're in with what uh, some of these uh, younger generation want to wear or be seen with. And, of course, a lot of times, you know, my kids will look at me and say, oh, that's weird. You know, yeah, my wife says that every time I go out the door. She's like, you're going to wear that. And I'm like, all right, I'm going back to change. And I'm thinking, yeah. I thought I look good. But then, no, you can't wear that. Um, but that's interesting because they're growing up in an information generation fair right i mean they know nothing yeah. you know they don't they don't know who is the 20th president they just google it and there it is hey dad here he is and here's his whole history and here's blah 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 where we would have had to learn it and that kind of thing i was hoping that you were going to say well you have a different wisdom and therefore that's your strength that you bring to it that they don't have yet because they just haven't you know gotten hit by a car you know or <laughs> fell off a curb or whatever the stupid things that we did right i mean that that's the reality right is your wisdom an advantage in some ways? It is uh, definitely the ability to um, to have had my history, you know, being able to deal with customers face to face, you know, having a totally different career. I guess you could say has has certainly uh, yeah, yeah. That would forged some steel in the fire, right? And uh, you you know directions that you would go very quickly lessons that they've got to learn for themselves eventually that's a, that's a, that sounds like a piece of advice that you just casually dropped an innuendo there that look Steve go back and look at what you were you were an accountant in your world you had all those stupid accounting jokes and that nobody else would get and that might yep. be a place to go look for designs right I mean things like that Hmm. Yeah, because you, you look at that example for, per se. Uh, you were an accountant. Well, you know all the funny jokes. Well, you also know what an accountant would or would not wear. Like, would you show up at your accountant's, you know, whatever party at Starbucks wearing a shirt that didn't make sense? You would wear the one that you know connects with those other 10 accountants and you would all laugh at it. And who cares what the people in the next table think? You guys get the joke. And that's part of this research and part of understanding what's going on. And, and too many people, I'll use that as an example, jump into this and say, oh, I'm going to do accountant shirts. Oh, I, I think I found the best phrases on the Internet. They pass it off to a VA. The VA gets them a bunch of designs. They put them up and they say, why didn't these sell? Well, you as an accountant goes on to Amazon and looks at these shirts and says, wow, that guy doesn't understand what it is to be an accountant. You know, we don't wear that color. We don't wear that style. We don't, we don't want that phrase. And I think that's somewhat, some of where the disconnect is. And so that's why passions and hobbies and interests and even professions that I already have something to do with make it very easy to sell into because I'm in the perspective of a buyer. How about this? There have been so many more people coming into merch, right? There's, you know, when you started, um, how many, you know, designs were up? I don't even know if you know those stats. Oh, I, I saw times when there were, you know, 200 300,000 listings you know yeah That's it. It, we, what's it now uh, oh it, it's over well over the million i mean it it fluctuates designs are going up and now they've got rules where you know if they haven't sold for 90 days or 180 days they come down and and so there's it's it's cyclical but uh you know and a lot more designs up but the market is huge and with the right research and the right designs you know nothing has slowed me Wait, down. you don't sound yeah you don't sound like oh woe is me you know everybody's coming in steve there's no opportunity you're saying no you know do you have to work 
smarter or is this where your discipline, your consistent discipline, pretty much sounds like from day one, is paying off because everybody else is lazy and therefore you can outwork them? I, I wouldn't say everybody else is lazy, but a lot of people don't get how to formulate uh, their their plan of attack, I guess, how, how they go about this. And part of this, the neat thing about print on demand and a lot of things with merch is this is like a new hobby for me. I mean, hmm. I could go 16, 18 hours as if it was my favorite hobby and even the remedial type tasks within it. Uh, the things that are fairly redundant, like uploading and, you know, over and over and over again, they don't really bug me because at the end of the day, I, I'm seeing the finished product and it's something that uh, I created and something that I had fun doing and and a lot of times can't keep me from talking about it. Yeah, and I was going to go to the family dinner table discussion because it must be interesting, but do you feel like an artist sometimes? Sometimes yes, but more a um, more a creator or more okay. uh, you know not so much an artist because the interesting thing I found um, in in the print on demand the apparel business you've got some great artists but they have no idea how to sell these how, how to sell their artwork. You're back to being a salesman, and there's the connection yeah. right there. Mm, love it. Yeah. All right, so tell me how nerdy is dinner sometimes. <laughs> it can be pretty bad when uh, the dinner conversation is about who got their uploads done or how much you've uploaded or, you know, some of the ideas that come up and, and some of the ideas that actually get held back because you don't want a sibling to know what your idea was. Oh, is there competitive? Uh, oh, yeah. oh, definitely, definitely. But, you know, fact. think about this. Andy always, Andy Slamans always says this about that Amazon, and we speak in FBA, but I think now it's global because there's so many places. It really is the family farm business back in the day. It really is. It's our version of that. I mean, think about, could you have had these conversations with your parents? I mean, th that you guys are having now, do you remember these kind of conversations around the dinner table? Uh, they were different. Right. They were, certainly weren't like this, but as you said, yeah, more the family farm. You know, I, I think back to my, my father who was a teacher, but on the side was a beekeeper and uh, beekeeping goes back for hundreds of years in our family. And, uh, there was always discussions about beekeeping because me and my brothers had always come in from helping my dad uh, tend the bees, right, and, and extract the honey. And so the discussion is different, but the discussion is also the same in many ways. Yeah, but those things, just the fact that you remember that, that was sewn into you. Now you're doing that with your kids. Had you just kept your corporate job, and this isn't negative, and I don't mean to down anybody, but I, there's a side benefit you're describing. The fact that you're having these conversations and you're both interested in the same thing, I'm sure connects you in so many other ways with those kids. You're not distant from them. Do you get what I mean? Oh, it does, and that's part of uh, what I enjoy being away from the oil field is I would never have come home at dinner and, and start talking to my kids about, you know, what did I do on the, the oil lease or what uh, well was drilled or, or what cleanup you did because it, they just had no connection to it, and now you've got a connection with them. Can you talk about any other benefits that you've seen with your kids um, from, from them owning their own business and, and similar business and the competitive stuff, all that? I think the greatest uh, advantage or, or thing that I've seen with them is it makes them aware of what they can and can't do. At a very at a relatively young age, there's things that they're learning that I wish I would have learned, you know, 30 years ago because it would have completely 
changed the course of how I was effective. A lot of things I wouldn't have had to have learned. I mean, all of us have to learn these things, but it gives them an advantage. I mean, come on, I, I've got a 14 year old that's been doing this for a year. And, uh, I mean, he, he just got into high school. <laughs> and his you friends know, are looking at him like, what, you know, let's go hang out. And he's like, nah, I've got, I got things to do. Or, or his friends are saying, hey, you know, that'd be a cool idea. We should, you know, put it on a T-shirt. And he says, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. You know, how about this? Now, you have one daughter, or maybe two, yeah. but, but all right. Is, is, the, is the playing field level for her and your two boys? A little different there because, uh, you know, the dynamics of all three kids is, is, uh, is pretty wild, the, the differences in them. She's very, very bright. She's at, uh, just finished her first year of university, valedictorian of her class. You know, she's always done very well academically. And this has uh, become an, an interesting way on the side to passively earn income while she's at school. Um, well, to me, though, you, I mean, and now it doesn't sound like she needs it, but a family that does, she could realize she can be just as good as the boys, you know what I mean? Because think back to the day where, you know, hey, my wife tells the story that her father, who came from Italy, so be in, in fairness, said, you know, oh, you can always go be a secretary. That was the phrase, yeah. you know, and that was done generationally. I mean, it is what it is. He's a great guy, but that was the way he was raised, right? When your daughter can see, now obviously she didn't sound like she needed it, that she can do just as well as those guys and actually have sales and, and support herself independently, that is big. In today's young women for self-esteem, that is huge. It is. It's a massive thing. And and the neat thing about it is actually she's got her brother saying we can be like their, you know, their big sister. Ne oh, <laughs> you just gave me the chills when you said that. Ooh, I actually got the goosebumps because that's powerful. Now think yeah. about that. That's so different than what we've all been, you know, it is the way it was. I'm not saying right or wrong. It is the way it was, but now we see different. So the whole family, so you've gotten a little bit of recognition for this, Um they actually, you you kind of becoming an expert out there, right? Yahoo reached out to you for some information for a story? Uh, yeah, that was just recently. Um, Yahoo Finance, there was a recent story that was out there, and I know they'd interviewed uh, the director of the program as well. And, uh, you know, they took a few sound bites. And Yeah, but the fact, it's still pretty cool, though, isn't it? I mean, it's got to be pretty it cool. Is. Yeah, I it mean, is. you got a little swagger in your stuff. And then to make it on TV, I mean, I watched this, uh, and I'll have a connect, I'll link it in this uh in this episode, um, you guys were quite a story on Las Vegas TV. It was a pretty good segment. I mean, it was really interesting. Well, we actually were reach we we had uh, a lady from the Las Vegas Business Review reach out to us, and that story is still forthcoming uh, in the newspaper. She, yeah, she's actually finishing that story off. Uh, we're just finishing off a couple of the last questions, but. Uh, part of that story was picked up by the uh, Channel 13 here in Vegas, and they had us come in for a, a live spot early morning on Saturday, and it was about a two-minute spot. And from that, the interviewer, the reporter, was so interested, the anchor lady, that she phoned back and said, hey, we'd like to actually come to your house and do a full-blown interview and have you on the 6 o'clock news. And so there were actually two interviews that were done uh, with uh, Channel 13 here in Vegas. You got your start on your 15 minutes. You realize that. Of course. <laughs> but you know what's cool, though, is your kids get that to see that, too. Wait, 
you mean there is something special about what we're doing? You mean, wait, because it, because it, you know, the, the risk is that that becomes just, uh, you know, standard stuff. You know, you're expected, oh, we're all doing church. Yeah, that's just our way. But then they realize how special that really is to A, to have enterprising young people that want to kind of, you know, create something. That's a big deal. Another good lesson. Well, and they also understand that the story wasn't generated because of what Dad was doing. Yeah. Uh, what Dad was doing with, say, merch and with print-on-demand, though I was standing out you know, ahead of the crowd, you could say, in some ways, the story really generated because they say, wait a minute, you, your kids are doing this? What have your kids learned? What are your kids earned? And and that's where the story uh, developed and, and actually took off. Would you say that's the best part of what merch is? I mean, I, I understand you have freedom, right? And that's something that's attractive to you, and you don't have to go out in that heat. Very attractive to you and I both. I'm in on, on that one. I get that. <laughs> but the family unity, the rowing together, even though there's some, you know, little uh, um, uh, sports, uh, you know, uh, metaphors there for, um, you know, competitiveness— the family unity, the ability to know what's going on, to see, my bet is when you, you can see when your kids are off pretty easily now, right? You just, because you, you understand their temperament probably better than most dads. Would that be the biggest win so far? Oh, the biggest win is uh, family participation. Everybody's in on it. Uh, everybody enjoys it. And uh, just simply not being away from them, you know, it, it's, Sometimes you want to separate your business from your personal life, but in many ways, if you're having a lot of fun and enjoyment from it, you like them to be intertwined. Uh, absolutely. You know, I think it's a win. You, you can sit at the dinner table and talk about these things, and it's not begrudgingly talking about chores. It's actually talking about you know the wins and, and even the losses, and those are important lessons for kids yeah, to learn. Yeah, they're not allowed to lose anymore. They should get all trophies, Ken. They no, no, trophies. I—, I Everybody needs to lose. No, I agree That's with how that. How you learn? How about so. this? Have, would you say? And I, this is a this is. I want you to be honest about this. What have you learned from your kids? You know, not the trends and all that jazz. I don't really care about that. I meant as a dad who could swallow hard and say, you know, because you're supposed to know everything. You're invincible. You don't ask directions. Your kids are having some success. Have you learned anything from them? Uh, yeah, I've I've learned uh, from them a measure of honesty and a uh, measure of being able to accept when I'm wrong. Ooh, that hurts. Not really. Well, uh, it doesn't hurt now, but, <laughs> but it went, no, I'm serious. When you were out in that oil field or wherever you were and you came home, you weren't wrong because you had a day and blah, 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 and life happened yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But to be able to accept it and to be able to accept it with grace in front of them, you're right, I'm wrong. That's a big because that's the life lessons that you want them to learn, right? It is. It, it, you know, being honest with yourself and being honest with what you're doing. Ooh, give me the tingles again. Jesus, again. I love these family stories because, quite frankly, it's the miss with a lot of families, right? I mean, this is one of those places where, you know, I, and I think, you know, dads want to. I'm speaking for myself. Dads want to do the right thing. They want it, but they got a lot of responsibility. And it sounds like to me that, you know, you've made some adjustments to help deal with that. I think it's very powerful. Well, it's very, very hard to reach out with kids now, too, in oh, yeah. the day and age of the Internet. And this is a great way to be able to do that. So is your recommendation, because I'm sure you get a whole bunch of people, wait, how do I get my kids involved? How do I get them interested? 
Have you been able to give some advice to that? Yeah, actually I have. I have a number of people that have asked me because of the story and because of some of the interviews. They said, oh, well, you know, what can I do to get my kids going? And I say, well, you know, how many slots have you got on your account? What's your tier? And get them going. Get get them onto the computer next to you. Get them designing. Get, You know, use some of the, the tools that are out there and let them just throw their ideas out there. And and the other thing is, is you have to watch it because you're dealing with kids that uh, have to be molded. They don't understand copyright. They don't understand uh, trademark. And, right. you know, help them out with that. Uh, teach them and, and help them grow and and just allow them to experiment. And, and, you know, if you've got the account, you've got the ability to get your kids putting stuff up. And that's how we started. My son came to me the one day and said, hey, Dad, uh, can I put some shirts up? Like, can I make some money doing this? I said, yeah, let's put them on my account. Anything that sells, you can you can earn. Uh, so it's as easy as starting out that way. Hmm. All right. What's next for the real family? What what do you what do you see? Uh, you know, it sounds like your daughter's at school. Uh, one of your sons is getting close to it. Uh, what do you think? Where do you see this business or this lifestyle business that you've created um, as a family going? Uh, just increasing. I mean, it's it's building it into a stronger and stronger passive income. Uh, merch is a lot of work, but can become quite passive, depending on how you build your your success and build your brand. And that's another thing is building into some brands and and taking it from there and and continuing on, just having fun with it. You know, I think about that life is good brand, right? That's a good example of one that somebody took mm-hmm. shirts and made this. That's still possible, isn't it? Oh, of course. It, it, that's happening all the time uh, because because people t-shirts aren't going anywhere and and this has become even more prevalent with everybody wants to wear their phrase on their chest right they want to they want to wear what they're thinking it's a statement they nece- yeah they don't necessarily want to walk up to you and say this is what i believe they want to walk Ooh. past you with it on their shirt Ooh. and have you turn their head and say oh what was that guy that that's what he thinks you know and and that's it, it's part of the world becoming very polarized, but it's also a good thing because people are now finding a medium in which to bring out their thoughts and their expressions, whether, regardless of what it is, whether it's a hobby or a business or, you know, maybe it's just a funny thing that they want to walk by with. But uh, they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. The trend isn't going to change and all of a sudden, oh, nobody wants to put a, a, a graphic phrase on a T-shirt, right? What you just described, though, is a conversation. Again, when that person walks past me with that shirt and that statement and I read it, it's a conversation, right? They communicated with me. I read it in my mind. I, I put my thoughts together on it. It was an unspoken conversation, but it's a conversation nonetheless, hence the reason there's the connection and the success. Hmm. Yeah, and, and like yourself, That's you deep, talk about Ken. being That's very being deep. A, like being an accountant. You can walk up the street and have a silent conversation with every accountant on the boardwalk because of what you're wearing on your t-shirt. Oh, Jesus. You right. can, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, I've never thought about it this way. You blow my mind. All right, so somebody has uh, more questions. Do you have a group? Is that, Am I correct that you have a group or you're part of a group or something? Uh, I do help admin uh, Chris Green's big Merch by Amazon group. Uh, his, his Merch Dojo group? Uh, it's uh, Merch Dojo is on the side. Okay. I do some of the training with him in that, but the big Merch by Amazon Merch okay. Life group. Merch Life group. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll and then, a connection there. And then Merch Success 2.0 is the one that I admin. Okay, Merch Success. 
But I, I would actually put a, a bigger punch out to a, a new group that I started that's mm. called Merch Watchdogs. And it's an initiative that's not so much about designing shirts, but it's an initiative to go after frivolous trademark owners. And that's become a real problem in the industry, and there's a real passion there. And we're growing, and we're actually finding a way to beat back a lot of these frivolous trademarks. Because somebody will copy, right? They'll just copy your stuff and then put it out there and say, oh, you're, you're now you're infringing on my trademark. And it's like, no, uh, I had this before you, right? Or copyright, excuse me. Um, no, I was there first, right? Is that, is that an example? A part of it is a popular phrase hits the the market and mm -hmm. the first thing somebody tries to do is go to the USPTO and trademark that phrase with the thought process that if I can trademark that for t-shirts I can take everybody else down and that's actually an incorrect way that trademark works that is not the way trademark but, works. but that was what was happening correct it was and is and oh, it's it still become a, a real cancer within the industry right now uh, so and we're so attacking you're that attacking it and so if somebody was interested in saying hey this has happened to me you can join Merch Watchdogs and you can join the discussion and start being part of the solution. <laughs> Definitely. We, and we are making a change in the industry. We've identified a way to protest these. And we are now starting to get some of these applications killed, uh, which is good for the entire industry. We're taking it across. Originally, we started with Merch by Amazon. Now we're, no, 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 this is Etsy. This is Teespring. This is Public. Anybody in the print-on-demand, it could be create space. It, could be jewelry it could be other classes because this is really as i said a cancer in the industry that's occurring and i i finally said to myself one night we we either sit around and complain or we go and do something and so i i put up a group and you know there's we're closing in on four thousand members and we got people donating to help get lawyers put in uh uh oppositions and people are writing letters of protest and it's it's really changing things it's mm, really very noticed. cool so you you that 15 minutes is getting extended it is it's going to be a little longer than that i'm just letting <laughs> you know <laughs> all is. right so if somebody wants to follow up with the question what's the best way to get you uh honestly the easiest way is just hit me up on facebook okay so i'll put you right uh, there yeah tag me or send me a private message and i'll try and get to it all right so my final question i ask everyone and I think you just gave some good examples, um, is that, you know, and, it, and this is merch by Amazon specific. I'm going to make it that way. Or print on demand, I guess that'd be a better one. You know, yeah. a lot of us opened up those accounts when Chris Green says, hey, you should join merch by Amazon, right? Whenever he says anything, we all just do it, right? We're like lemmings. And we all just do it. 99% of people did nothing with it. And then all of a sudden they're like, wait. This is really taking off. I better go start doing things. But they put up those shirts. They have no success. Um, they struggle. They don't, quite frankly, they probably didn't do the work, didn't do the research, didn't do all those things. What's your advice to those people rather than walking away? Because it, it breaks my heart to see because listen to the story of Ken and his family. Listen to what it can be, right? The fact that he sold $250,000 collectively as a family. How many family farms do that in the first couple of years? Not many. So uh, the fact that that potential is still there, and Ken, just you heard him say that there's absolutely, the demand is, is huge, their opportunity is great. But they walk away from it, Ken. They never see it through. What's your advice to get them past that stuck point? The advice is they've got to enjoy it. They've got to enjoy what, what they're doing, and they've got to research it. Um, we've been talking about this over and over through this conversation is they have to put themselves in the role of a buyer. Uh, they have to be, like you said, the accountant walking down the street, having that silent conversation with other accountants because what's on your shirt connects 
And I'll, I'll be the first to say some people will not figure that out. But for a lot of people, um, there's different ways they can go about this. It can be uh, such things as local merch. It could be licensing. It could be somebody that's really good about crafts. It could be people that are realizing they can tie it into their Facebook group. Uh, they need to put in the time. They need to be able and willing to probably spend 80% of their time researching before they even design something. Very powerful. Absolutely very powerful. All right, man, I wish you nothing but success. I can't wait to see where the family goes next. Thank you so much. It's been good being here. Guys, very cool. Isn't that a cool story? I mean, just imagine actually having a conversation with your kids and they don't have their phones in their hand and they're this da Wow. I think there's a, you know, bringing it back, that analogy of the family farm and or him and his dad and his brother talking about beekeeping and having those discussions at dinner uh now he can do that with that i didn't get to come home and talk accounting with my kids that wasn't something that we had a conversation but now the ability to have a conversation over a similar interest how cool was that especially with a daughter that has similar i mean it's just so cool to think about that this potential is here but it's intentional it's ken doing the research you heard him say it you know, half a dozen, maybe more times. He's trying to beat it in me. Steve, you have to do the research. And he's 100% right. That means there's work. This is a four-letter word. There's work here. But if you love it, that's a four-letter word even stronger. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.